After a daring escape from the Imperial Consulate, Castian joins the Alderanian nobles to seek safe haven and decide what to do next. The YT-13, carrying some of the last survivors of Alderaan, dips and weaves through the forests of Delea outside of the capital city. The mood on the ship is tense. Not only do you have a group of people that were very recently hostages, even if they were hostages held in the lap of luxury, but there's no way of knowing if someone is on your tail. The ship is flying blind because you don't want to be giving out any sort of signal that the Empire could use to track you. Castian is pushing his way through the corridors to the cockpit, and he bursts through and he walks towards whoever's in the captain's chair. Within the cockpit, sitting as co-pilot, is Argon. Behind the co-pilot seat is Galnuri Tan. And then sitting in the pilot seat is a Twi'lek woman. She has aqua skin. Her short leku are beginning to fade a little bit with age. Castian's going to walk in and take the seat next to Gaunari Tan, not even asking permission. And then he looks towards her and says, I need to know where we're going. I'm afraid that is information that we are keeping very close to the vest. Well, you don't understand. I have people I have to get a hold of, and I need to tell them to evacuate wherever they're staying. The people who risked their life in order to get me into the consulate. Galnuri gives you a look of regret. I'm sorry, but perhaps it's best for them if we do not contact them. Best for them? They risked their entire lives in order to get me here. Galnuri time. The woman I need to contact is the same woman who erased the sensor data from the asteroid slave mine where we found you. Without her, they would attract the ships that you stole and rounded you all back up again. I need to get a hold of her and I need to tell her where I'm at so she can escape as well. Argon turns around to look at the two of you, focusing on Galnuri. You're not thinking about doing it. Galnuri holds up a hand to silence Argon, and she looks to you. We do need to minimize the number of people that have access to these coordinates. However, if you give me the information to contact your people, I can have Noor send the coordinates directly to their ship, encoded, so that no human eyes will be able to identify the coordinates. Castian considers for a few seconds, but seeing there's really no alternative, he kind of just slowly nods his head before pulling out his communicator and holding it out towards Canary Tand. The contact information is under Captain Jane. Make sure to include in the message that I hope Skitter has taken care of you and has accidentally fallen into the trash compactor. Galnuri Tand raises her brow to you. She needs to know the message is authentic. And he stands up and he pushes himself out of the chair and he walks out of the cockpit. And then he's going to move towards Kaliza Harp. It's fairly crowded on the YT-13, so a lot of people are still standing in corridors shuffling about aimless, not sure what to do. So you have to weave in and out of some of these people until you find where Kaliza Harp has not left her post next to Vari and Orin. It looks like they are in the pod where there was once a Dejaric table. 
Castian is pushing aside a few nobles, one giving him kind of an evil eye, maybe recognizing him when he threatened her in the ballroom, and Castian steps up towards Vuri and Aren, but his eyes are on Kaliza. <clears throat> I would ask if I could speak with you alone, Kaliza, but I, uh, I don't think there's a spot on the ship that is currently unoccupied. Kaliza looks towards you. I believe you would be correct in that assessment. Vuri Aren. I am sorry about my display and in the ballroom, I... He just trails off before just shaking his head. Arin, your grandfather was the one who helped me get on to Delea and find you. Arin looks surprised. My... my grandfather? Uh, yes, um, Riston Aster. Yes. Yes, oh. And he leans against Vari. Obviously, some sort of huge weight off of his shoulders. Vari, there's... He's... He's alive. And Vari holds him. She puts her hands against his face. I know. I'm so happy. Y yes, yes. Um, he was helping a patient. A friend of mine, which is why he left Alderaan, I suppose, early. Can you, any of you tell me? Did you s see anything... I mean, were you on Delea when the destruction happened? Were you in a ship? Can you tell me anything? The three of them shake their heads. And and there couldn't have been possibly an, another ship following yours from... Did Cerise Nabella... She, she's not on another ship, is she? Kaliza just shakes her head. Castian feels himself want to shatter there. That last bit of hope that was dangling in front of him is pulled too far away. But then he looks towards Vuri and remembers her words about how she has lost an entire planet. And he just swallows hard and nods his head. I see. I am so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Castian turns away and he's moving off to find whatever privacy he can. Uh, sir, I'm, I'm sorry, I... I don't actually know your name. Castian turns. And sees Arin looking at him. Castian tries to remember the name he had given everybody before just kind of shaking his head too tired and says, Castian. Castian. You've, you've seen my grandfather. Was there anyone else with him? Castian lowers his eyes, getting what he's asking before just shaking his head. Uh, no. Only your grandfather was there. According to him, you were the only family he had heard that made it off of Alderaan. I'm so sorry. Arin swallows hard, and you can see him pressing his lips together, holding back his emotions. He just is able to nod in thanks. Castian gives a slow nod before continuing on with his journey. He's going to find a corner that he can kind of wedge himself in and just sit down. And he presses his forehead against his knees as he tries to just kind of shut down everything. And he doesn't even realize how exhausted he is. He's not even aware that he falls asleep. One minute, he's hearing the scared murmurs of nobles. And then the next, he's kind of jostled awake. And he looks up. You are jerked awake 
by a panicked voice over the comm systems. Everyone brace yourself. Evasive maneuvers. Castian is climbing to his feet, doing the exact opposite of what they say, and he's stumbling through the panicked crowd, heading towards the cockpit. The ship bucks and weaves as the pilot is obviously implementing those evasive maneuvers. There's also a couple of sudden shocks and rattles as the ship seems to be taking fire. When you get to the cockpit, Galnuri, Argon, and the pilot are all shouting directions at each other, conflicting directions. Castian is waiting for a second or two if there's a lull in the conversation before finally just deciding to interrupt and says, Who's following us? TIE fighters, two of them, the pilot responds. Who's in the turrets? I was on my way, Argon says. And Castian is waving him on and he says, I'll take the other one. And he's moving to follow Argon. The two of you split into different corridors shortly outside of the cockpit as you run for the secondary turret. Castian hops onto the ladder and just slides down before landing into the seat. And he quickly begins buckling himself in, putting on the headset before finally engaging the tracking sensors of the turret. It's really cute that you think this bucket of bolts ship that is used by the Rebellion actually has a functional tracking system. Of course it doesn't, Castian says, as he turns off the computer display in front of him and he's just kind of eyeballing it now as he looks out the window and he's going to take aim towards whatever is following them, if he can. You see that there are two TIE fighters on a rapid approach. All right, let's see how this goes, he mumbles before speaking into the communicator. I'll take the one on the left. All right, I need you to roll me initiative. This is going to be cool. I got three successes. That'd be a really good roll any other time, because they only got one success but five advantages. So you know what? Effectively, I'm going to use the rules for how you can use excessive advantages and say they have a triumph. So the TIE Fighter is going to take the shot first at you guys. And I am going to, rather than working out a whole spaceship combat thing, I'm just going to give them some negatives to account for the pilot's evasive maneuvers. With one success and one advantage, one of the TIE Fighters gets a clear shot on the ship, shaking everybody around, including you, but not enough to do any lasting damage to the ship. Castian mumbles, oh, this is going to be easy. And he squints a little bit, does some mental math in his head, and then fires off a quick spray from the turret. So you are going to roll your gunnery, which my understanding is, is not fabulous. Mm -hmm. This is going to be just an average difficulty, but two setback dice to account for the ship's armor. Ah, two failures, but one advantage. Your shot does not hit the ship, obviously, but it does have to spin out of the way a little bit, so it will have an additional setback die to account for it's not on the same path that it wanted to be. The other TIE fighter also has to maneuver away to make space for the one you've knocked off its path, and it's just out of your sight, but you hear Argon's steady blaster fire going after it. Your TIE fighter gets three failures and three advantages, so it is actually going to upgrade the difficulty of your next shot as the pilot has to take some very severe evasive actions. Uh, Castian is going to take another shot at it. Castian continues to fire, but again, he can't seem to hit this thing. He only gets two threats. 
the three ships seem to be fairly equally matched. The pilot that Galnuri Tand brought along is an expert at pulling these quick, rapid, evasive maneuvers. Not only just evading the TIE fighters, but also flying low in the forests of Delea. This is some really impressive flying. Makes it very difficult for you to get in any accurate shots, obviously. The downside of all of those quick maneuvers is it is throwing you all around in that turret, and you're going to take to stress for those threats. Castian curses before grabbing hold of the ship and say, this is not really working. And he's going to take another desperate shot at one of these things, and I'm going to spend one of my destiny points to upgrade. And Castian gets one failure and three advantages. All right, with those three advantages, we can either give them a negative to their next roll, or you can upgrade your next roll. I'm going to give them a negative to their next roll. The TIE Fighter fires at you again. And it's a pretty good shot with three successes, which does nine points of damage to the ship. It's a nasty one. They do have three advantages, and when they hit the ship, their fire is directly at the satellite dish on the YT-13. Do I see the satellite dish fly off? Oh, yes. Are these TIE Fighters pretty close behind us? I would say so, short range. Cassian gets an idea as, from his peripheral, he sees something fly off the ship and kind of heads towards the ground floor of the forest. And he says, no, 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 that, I can use that. And he's going to reach out with the force and he's going to try to grab that and hurl it towards one of the TIE Fighters, seeing that his discipline is so much better than his gunnery. I just need to see if I can get the force points. I feel like most of your stats are better than your gunnery. I got five successes. Wow and I got three light side points. So I'm able first to activate the power and grab hold of this thing, and I'm able to increase it to the point where I can lift it actually upwards and throw it at decent distance. So I'm gonna use all three of those light side points and uh, it takes four points of damage plus whatever an antenna does <laughs> to a TIE fighter. I think with five successes, an antenna thrown by the force does a lot of damage to a TIE fighter. It flies into the cockpit window, and the TIE fighter immediately starts spinning out of control. Castian leads against the turret controls and mumbles, that's much better. You hear Argon's voice in your headset. Nice shooting, kid. Thanks, don't get cocky. Argon is continuing to fire on the other TIE fighter that is just out of your line of sight. If you had proper tracking, you would probably be able to hit it, but just eyeballing it, especially without a lot of expertise in gunnery, way too much risk of actually hitting the ship itself. So Castian, there's not much you can do, but sit there kind of helplessly, watching and hoping that Argon is a good enough shot to throw off this TIE fighter, until you start seeing blaster bolts from the ground coming up and aiming at that TIE fighter. Castian leans forward, trying to get a better view outside this very constricting chamber and seeing what's shooting up at this TIE fighter. It's difficult for you to see because of how fast the YT-13 is traveling and how it's maneuvering. But the blaster bolts you're seeing come from the ground. They're definitely not 
ships. They look like just standard blaster bolts from a sidearm, but they do seem to be enough to distract the pilot of the TIE fighter. So Argon is able to get in two more direct hits, causing the TIE fighter to explode. All right. Is there any more after us? Castian asked into his headset. None that we can see, the pilot says. Were we able to jam their communication before they got out any messages about finding us? We do not have that capability while we are flying stealth. We will need to move quickly. Of course this bucket of bolts doesn't have this capability. Would it make it faster if I got out and pushed? Argon snaps back at you. You're welcome to try. And Castian just climbs back up and moves back towards the cockpit. The pilot has found a clearing and is setting the ship down. Galneri Tand is coming down the corridor, heading towards the loading ramp. Where are we going? Are we are we are we landing? Is this where we're going to what hoof it to wherever we are going supposed to go? Are we abandoning ship? Yes. It is time to change our method of transport, making it more difficult to follow us. You do realize most of these people are wearing high heels, and I'm talking about both men and women. You haven't even seen what our capabilities are. I would appreciate if you hold off on the sarcasm. Cassian rolls his eyes, but he does step to the side as she walks past him. The ramp lowers, and Galnuri Tand walks out with her hands held up. She's obviously not panicked. She looks rather relaxed, but she is showing that she is unarmed. As the ramp lowers, revealing a battalion of stormtroopers. Castian, as well, holds up his hands as they're aiming at the ship. Captain, it is good to finally meet you face to face. She addresses a human man who is waiting at the bottom of the loading ramp. He's dressed in the black uniform of an Imperial captain, but there is no insignia on his chest. It looks really like something has been ripped off from the lapel of his shirt. Castian raises both brows before taking a step behind Gaunari Tand, his hands hovering over the lightsaber, still hanging from his belt. But he's going to see how this plays out, seeing that Gaunari Tand has not led him astray too much these past couple years. The captain inclines his head towards Gaunari Tand. He is standing very similarly to you where he has his weapon holstered, but his hand is very close to it, ready to pull out the blaster at the first sign of trouble. Ms. Tand, the pleasure is all mine. Do your passengers come in peace? Galnuri nods. Our rescue mission was mostly successful. We were able to evacuate everyone that the Empire was holding, However, they did not have all of the contacts we were hoping to find. Castian is looking over these stormtroopers and this captain, trying to get a read on them. Castian's been in the Imperial Army for a better part of a decade. He knows troopers. He knows how they stand, how they're trained. Are these actual soldiers, or is this stolen equipment? Why don't, for possibly the first time in the Solo Shot's history, give me a knowledge roll? Not the first time, but it is infrequent. In this case, you're rolling Knowledge Empire. Seeing that my history is very much tied to the Empire, can I get a blue dice? Yes, you can have one boost. One success. With that one success, 
Absolutely, these are all stormtroopers. The armor all fits correctly. They are standing at attention, much like the captain. They are ready and willing to take fire at a moment's notice. What about the captain? The captain is also military. The uniform that he's wearing, while there is the tear at his chest where the captain's insignia should be, it doesn't otherwise look like there's been any sort of struggle to get the uniform. No blaster, bolt, burns, no rips and tears, no blood. The captain himself, as I said, human male, and in a lot of ways, he's your mirror opposite. He has broad muscles to your wiry frame. He has thick blonde hair. Half of it is pulled back in braids. The only similarity between the two of you is the cold eyes. He's staring down Galnuri Tand, his eyes flickering to you, to a couple of the nobles who have ventured towards the loading ramp. So even though he has a slight smile on his face of welcome and recognition of Galnuri Tand, he's a hunter. He's ready for danger. Much like this group, Castian is also wearing a uniform that seems to be tailored for him. However, his outfit is covered in blaster marks, dust, blood, and is ripped in several areas. But Castian does take a step forward and nods his head before saying towards Kalnuri Tan without taking his eyes off the man, I take it this is your contact, Andalea? Indeed. Captain, permission to approach? The man nods his head first at Galnuri Tan and then at the stormtroopers behind him. They all relax. Castian turns back towards the ramp and holds up a hand and says, Start unloading everyone. Inform them that if they don't get off the ship, this ship is most likely going to be detonated in the next couple minutes in order to hide any evidence that we may be leaving behind. So we suggest they do not hesitate. Galnuri Tand has walked down the ramp and is striding forward confidently to the captain. I presume you do have the transportation that is necessary at the ready. Of course we do. I am interested, however, in meeting the people that you have brought with us. And his eyes flicker over to you. Starting with him. Casting takes a second to give a lazy sigh before moving towards the man. You look like you've had a rough journey here, soldier. Castian looks down at his outfit before mumbling. It's not my uniform. I'm not the Empire anymore. I used it to help me sneak into the consulate. I'm Castian Sire. Oh, you're the one that my contacts was telling me about that caused... Quite a stir once they got around to running your face through the database. Ah, oh, they finally uncovered who I was, yes. I, uh... That does make it all the more urgent that we leave the planet. But I'm interested in hearing more from you. The feeling is mutual, Captain. And as the two of you have a little bit of a stare down, there's a sound of another engine approaching. And the stormtroopers all immediately turn, raising their weapons to the ship that is approaching. And as you look up, Castian, it's Laris's ship. No, 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 no. Castian says as he holds up his hands, waving it towards the stormtroopers, then towards the captain. That's, it's, it's one of ours. It's one. He looks towards Galnery Tan. 
That's my contact. That's my contact. She looks to the captain. They are important allies to our mission. Allow them to land, please. The captain, again, waves to his stormtroopers, and they stand down. A moment later, Laris lands the ship in the clearing. Castian walks away from the stormtroopers and the captain, letting them handle the nobles that are probably complaining the entire time as they are exiting the ship. And he moves quickly towards the Howling Gundark's ramp as it lowers. As the ramp lowers, you see Bone, Laris, and of course Skitter waiting to descend. Before they can, however, Riston Aster pushes past Laris running down the ramp. He's looking past you all, looking to the ramp of the YT-13, where Arin has just departed the ship. Castian steps towards the man and says, Riston, I am so sorry to get you all tangled. He pushes past you. He has no interest in talking to you as he runs to his grandson and just pulls the boy into a strong embrace. Castian stands there for a few seconds just watching this really private scene as these two men who are probably known to be, you know, stoic and very disciplined are having a moment of weakness or perhaps a moment of strength. And finally, Cassian averts his eyes and turns towards Laris. You brought him. It seemed to be the only kind thing to do. He did risk everything in order to assist us. His life is in just as much danger as any of ours. Yes. She looks to her right. I'm sorry to inform you that no one threw Skitter into the trash compactor. And she quirks a little bit of a smile. Castian cants his head a little bit. Not used to her smiling, but he can't help but offer his own before his face crumbles a little bit and he looks down at the ground. Laris approaches you and speaks quietly. Did you find what you were looking for? No. Well... He pauses before reconsidering his words. I found answers. He turns and looks towards uh, Kaliza Harp as she's standing next to Varee. Cerise was on Alderaan. She had been delayed in leaving. I was able to find Varee and uh, Kaliza and the rest of the noble house, but I'm... Uh, <clears throat> but I'm afraid that, um... And Casting just tightens his jaw before shaking his head. I can't do this right now, Laris. Um, I need you to, um, help me with something quickly. Come along, both of you, he says as he looks towards Bone and Skitter, and then he waves them to follow him. Of course, sir. Casting just shakes his head. And as they're approaching the stormtroopers, Castian mumbles, I don't know, apparently they're on our side. Uh, I need your help with something. The captain, he's military, but I don't think he's from the stormtrooper corps. There's something else about him. You're a little bit more perceptive than I am. Uh, can you tell me anything about the man? Laris glances at the captain. He does wear his hair in a traditional Alderanian style. Castian leans back on his heels and mumbles, of course, okay. Starting to make sense. I wouldn't be surprised if all these soldiers, all these deserters, are from Alderaan. Keep an eye on him, and keep a low profile. Make sure to wear your scarf, he says as he looks towards her headband, and 
shakes his head. I don't know. There's something about this man that I don't like. I don't want him knowing that you are a former ISB, if you can't help it. Laris nods. Thank you, Jane. He hits her name a little harder before uh, escorting her towards the captain and Ganeri Tan. Ganeri Tan, this is Captain Jane. Captain? I'm sorry, Captain. Do you have a f- name I could use, or are we still using insignias, seeing that, well, you're missing one? He looks towards where his suit is torn. The captain title is out of habit. I have rescinded my association with the Imperial Navy. However, you can call me Liam Nabarro. This is Jane. She's a very close friend of mine and helped us get into the consulate, along with Riston Aster, another Imperial who seems to have put his home world over his allegiance to the Empire. I look very forward to getting to know you more, Captain Jane. However, time is of the essence and we must take our leave of Delea. We have ships for the civilians hidden beyond that stand of trees. I'm going to direct some of my top soldiers to go with them, seeking shelter. He looks to Galneri Tand. I'm afraid I do not know offhand where that shelter is going to be. I trust that your contacts might know more. And Galneri nods. We do have some experience in getting people off of the radar. I will take good care of them. The captain nods. Liam nods. And then he looks to you. Castian, if it would be all right... May I hitch a ride on your ship? Castian shoots a glance towards Galneri Tan, as if asking her if this is a good idea. He does not trust this man. This man is very familiar, in a way, and it takes a second or two before Castian realizes that this man hasn't blinked the entire time they've talked. The same kind of unblinking stare that Tremaine would give him. But he's trying to push that feeling of concerned down, and he's looking towards Galneri Tan to see if this is an okay thing to do. She gives you a nod. It's not my ship. Jane? He looks towards Laris. From one captain to another, you may board my ship. Though I must say, we have had run-ins with stormtroopers before, so I would ask that only you come along with us. That seems to be a fair compromise. He smiles. I think I can hold my own should we come into any trouble. He raises his hands. Not that I foresee any trouble happening. Truly, Castian, I'm very interested in getting to know you more. Come along, then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. 
Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. Greetings, and welcome to the Dicey Cantina. We are but a humble watering hole in the slums of the planet Drunkenwell. The smugglers and swoopers who pass through here are told amazing stories of resistance and rebellion against the harsh rule of the Galactic Empire, and tales, of course, of the heroes that would build a movement on hope. The Dicey Cantina podcast brings you adventures of intrigue played out as an actual play Star Wars RPG from Fantasy Flight Games. On Mondays, we tell character-driven stories through the lens of our small but colorful spot in the galaxy. Skaroo holds aloft a data pad. Lizzie, come out now or I'll burn you out. Skaroo's message burns loudly in the night sky. Imperial rule has come to Druckenwell. Can't believe I couldn't save them. I failed them. Well, if everyone thinks you're dead, might have suggested the Scots. No, man, it's a good plan. This is a word. And if, <laughs> and if you're Johnny on the spot with that frag grenade, if I get in trouble upstairs. Oh, you mean I have to go out and get them first? And he just sort of like pushes the tray over and then walks away. Is that, is that our distraction? As Veer walks past Cinder on the way to the kitchen, Cinder is going to toss him her remote. Oh, yeah, that's very like heist movie. One minute we're talking about bladders, the next minute the heist is on. The Empire is occupying our planet, but Veer and I and a few choice others have decided not to accept the Imperial rule around here. Tetsu drags himself up. John Jonah, you should have taken the less physical path. And then he headbutts him. Now, revenge never helped anybody. I want my friends back. We can get it back, Lizzie. That they haven't taken anything that we can't take back. Guys, we got we got a whole elevator coming up with angry Imperials, and I don't know if Tetz is even alive. What are we about to do? Tetz, are you okay? You can find us on your favorite podcatcher or uncover more at DiceyCantina.com. Slide up for a drink. We'll see you in there.